the cultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, an upset Jesus cursing a fig tree. A rant about rich hating haters learning about casting the first stone while letting everyone know we aren't hating religious people, we hate dicks. Finding out the dark reasons behind why the historian studies history, inquisitions, genocides, and learning to party like our pal Carpocratus. And now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers, and my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniel Bolelli. Away we go. that it's made it this far that it's kind of fun hey, it's to label me, them this way it's teaching me math so yeah, we know um, your math averted there's so much to learn this week that it's i guess i gotta put a warning up front that um we're gonna delve into dark dark places yeah yeah sorry guys uh it gets lighter at the very end but there are man there are a couple of moments that i don't know what i was thinking so you know brace yourself put on an arm or do whatever <laughs> you know magic spell you need to it's, it's not designed to bum you out but it definitely gets a bit intense at some moments so yeah well, i know the guys who discussed it and i think it went pretty well overall and i, I still don't have my ball gag in yet so <laughs> still waiting for my completed list of topics not to discuss but we'll get to all that so let's uh take care of some business first absolutely first and foremost huge thank you to datsusara our sponsor uh, check them out at dsgear.com. As usual, any of the things that we're going to mention now are going to be listed in the episode notes. You're going to have the links to the websites, uh, codes for discounts if you end up needing any of the products that we're going to be mentioning. But real brief, um, that's Sarah is our main sponsor. Any computer bags, backpacks, giant bags to carry your housing, whatever that may be, all hemp made beautiful products work great i felt seriously weird the first time he ever sent me a bag because i was i don't think i've ever been excited about a bag in my life and i was like i kept looking at it like, isn't that an awesome bag and i was like what the fuck is wrong with me you know it's like <laughs> but it's uh it was it really was and you didn't even know about the micro ninjas yet no exactly they're all these like you know no the amp is squashes microbes left and right heal them in every which way so it's like no it's amazing stuff so if you guys want some really great gear in that regard check out dsgear.com uh use the code daniele check out for a discount um similarly if you want to check out some our affiliate sponsors i'll make it really quick if you need chocolate for the food of the gods we'll have a link and a discount in the episode notes at korakaoconfections.com if you need the t-shirts that were made in hippie heaven in this case through thailand sure design t-shirts amazing awesome stuff and speaking of t-shirts some of you guys are still sending me emails to check whether i still have in stock some drunken taoist in your size and stuff i'm lacking in the really small and the really big but the stuff in between i'm still okay so if you want to order by all means shoot me an email and uh, we'll get through with you 
on that and hopefully you know i don't want to basically have people send money before i make sure i have it in stock so let's go back and forth a couple of times and all will be good and if we don't have your size let your girlfriend wear it she's yeah. gonna be better in it anyway that's the way to go um audibletrial.com um audiobooks one thing i always forget to mention is all of audiobooks if you want to just try them first month is free you don't pay anything so if you just have the thing you know what maybe i could get into audiobooks take a look at their catalog see if there's one book you want to check out and if nothing else after 30 days you say no thanks i don't feel like it and you're done and you've sort of read a book yeah exactly so it's a really it's a win-win and if you do end up finding out that you actually are into audiobooks and you can find the time for that and it's exciting great then you found something new 15 dollars a month that's it but yeah the first month is free so check out the link um that we'll put in the episode notes if you want some of it as usual if you guys do any kind of shopping on amazon please uh, use the link on our donate page uh, if you have ad blockers on your computer the donate button will not show up uh-huh. so either remove your ad blockers or or the other thing you can do is just my name danielebolelli.com click on any of the book covers that will open an amazon link and search for whatever you want at that point and that works just as well i love 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 the again i don't never see who buy something but i do see what is being bought every time i get you just turned 45 cents because somebody just bought a sex toy always makes me happy but you know you're allowed to buy other things um and some of you guys are awesome some of you are clearly because of work are buying some stuff or and you know it's beautiful is uh, less money to amazon more to me i'm happy and what better place to buy danieli's brand new book create your own religion yes through the amazon link yes yes true yes. double dipping i double my sales that way yeah because i mean when you look at what you make as an author in terms of royalties it's sad really i mean if i make a dollar a copy is a lot usually is a little bit less or right around that which was when you think about it you know whatever the cover price is you have books that are like 20 dollars and you make one or yeah it's like yuck. these guys must have friends in the record business yeah i mean that's how it is right people start um, doing their own thing self-publishing who knows nobody knows what the future of publishing looks like but it's an interesting beast but yeah you know if you guys dig uh, the kind of stuff that we discuss on the podcast please buy the book that would be really really sweet and by the way amazon is making it insanely cheap i don't know why i mean the cover price is like 20 the amazon sell it for like less than 13 so it's a huge discount and uh, you know if you're buying other stuff you may even get free shipping so it's uh, it's not a bad gig um so again yeah please check it out if you like it you hate it whatever you want to shoot me an email let me know that's always appreciated if i want to find it in a bookstore what section might i search for it in <laughs> well first you would have to find the bookstore because they are you know uh, in danger of extinction in the united states at the moment but yeah somebody wrote me that they found it under bible studies i thought that was hilarious no i mean probably it's under religion in general but i guess somebody moved it around or had fun with it <laughs> but uh yeah and i mean i'll talk more about the book because uh this i work on it so damn long this is one of those books that i for a good two three years i took notes just notes before i even started thinking of an outline and then writing and then so you know a ton of 
time, energy, blood, sweat and tears, so to speak, and wine and pasta went in it. But, um, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's sort of one of the things that is the sum of every philosophical thought you've ever had, basically. It's, uh, it's a big deal to me. So if you guys check it out, I would be honored. And um, other than that, let's see, other business that we need to take care of. Um, Are we doing any butchering today? Oh, yes, 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 we will. Before we do that real quick, we just launched the Drunken Taoist forum. So if you go at thedrunkentaoist.com, you can um, just check out the forum. Some people are jumping in, participating in the topics, creating new topics. Always fun, good community chat, preferably not insulting each other horribly because we don't like bad vibes. But um, yeah, so join in, throw down your comments about episodes or about anything else and makes for a good conversation. Um, what else? I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. Let's just go into real quick couple of people to thank. Butchering time. Uh, we have Cedric Woolage, Jonathan Liam, Liam something. Anton Massoni, who's um, from Indonesia. This is how cool it gets. You know, we're getting... It may be time for a map. Yeah, I know. Seriously, it's like... Because we had New Zealand last week. I yep. know we've had Peru and Mexico for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, from really all over the place. And today we had... By the way, the Indonesian story is funny because Anton was telling me how he's... I think he's... Um, his mom is Indonesia and his father was Italian or something. And um, he was telling me how he grew up in Italy for a while, spent much time there, but moved to Indonesia because the economy is so much better. <laughs> and I was like, damn, man, wow. if somebody had told me a few years ago that, you know, sorry, but... And he's right, you know, Italian economy sucks so bad. And it's actually Indonesian economy is not that bad. It's like, good decision, you know, but I was like, wow. This but, for people that live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> well, well. Again, it goes to ways. You know, you make more money. You also pay like thirty-two thousand dollars for a glass of water, probably. But you know, it's, yeah, that's how it goes. Last but not least, Thomas Robinson. Thomas, thank you so much. Actually, thank to all four of you guys this time. Uh, we recorded shortly afterwards, so not as many donations this time around. But we always appreciate it. If you guys are so inclined to join the list of people who want their first and last names horribly mispronounced. By all means, we love your money. Uh, but more importantly, we love the, you know, the fact that you appreciate the podcast you're listening. And, and yeah, and on that note, please spread the word. Tell other people. Tie them to a chair. Force them to download and listen. We have very, well, I have fra very fragile ego. I need my boost by, you know, patting myself on the back by looking at download numbers otherwise i cry be 30 years i have to hug my teddy bear and this you know sad really so please get people to download that would be deeply appreciated and uh, anything else are we good to go i think we're good to go let's roll go So I've got my uh, my ball gag in because I'm not speaking this week. So here we are for uh, rant of the day. Rant away. We rant away, and uh, this is the everybody hates rich episode.
because because um, everybody hates rich. Yeah, man. Bad luck lately. You have been getting, uh, you know, usually you always get good stuff, and lately between uh, comment here, comment there has been the let's pick on rich day. I figured it was my turn. <laughs> I take it as a badge of honor. <laughs> but my favorite one by far was the fifteen paragraph list of. I should just shut up. Apparently, there's going to have to construct some sort of uh, list of things I'm not allowed to speak about. All the stuff where where you're a bad man. I guess so. Yeah. You know, we should since we we now have a forum for those of you guys you don't know. Bring it we, on. We should have a thread. The let's just for random reasons you're frustrated with life. Let's just insult each randomly about something. And I that can take it. To be, that would I, be a popular thread. I, oh, I'm sure the numbers will be be going crazy. Yeah. But speaking of um, speaking of the picking on your day, let's pick one that offers us enough meat and substance to play with. There was uh, on a comment, I think episode 12 on our website. Yeah. There was a lengthy comment about somebody pissed off for you picking on Catholicism in general, was that it? A lapsed Catholic that was mad that I was picking on the Catholics. Right, precisely. And, I mean, hmm, I don't know. Do you want to start or do I start? I'd happily start because I believe, you know, might as well say it again. I think I've said it four times. Wouldn't it be awesome to be hanging with Jesus when he gets back and go on a tour of the Vatican with him? Mm -hmm. Because there would be some splaining to do at that point. That was really all I said. Right. He couldn't even capitalize my name, so you know that's a real stab right there. I tell you, I can't sleep at night because of that one. Thank you, Oliver. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that's tricky is the history of the Catholic Church. Jesus, man, that's some. Um, they got some low moments. Because I mean, okay, let's rephrase it. So Oliver on the website, he basically puts up the issue of, hey, you know, you're picking on Catholicism for the pedophile. Uh, pedophile scandal for you know a bunch of the corruption the you know the long 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 list of reasons but you're not considering the fact that there are plenty good catholics who are trying to live by jesus words and be nice human beings and instead you're focusing only on all the assholes that give the catholic church a bad name this is true and And it might be a mistake because i will say right now i do appreciate those good catholics Mm -hmm. catholic charities does amazing work they do feed a lot of people there are a lot of great folks that really believe and it helps enrich their life and i think all that's awesome but at the same time you used to burn witches why don't you burn some goddamn pedophiles just to put a message out instead of letting ratzenberg shuffle them about to unknowing parishes i mean i heard one woman i think she was on the young turks and she could not understand why somebody was not screaming from the bell tower every Sunday, why have we not fixed this yet? Right. I mean, you remember when, uh, when was it? Uh, how do you pronounce her name, by the way? The Irish singer, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor, yeah. O'Connor, yeah. Huge firestorm when she threw up the picture of the Pope back on Saturday Night Live in the 90s. And everybody thought, ah, it's just her. She's nuts. She's so weird. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Third night, she was right every step of the way about the whole pedophilia scandal. And yeah. it's just something that she was actually ahead of the times in that regard. 
But, um, you know, the thing that's weird, what I don't understand is because, you know, what he says about there are plenty of good people within Catholicism, and I think you can pretty much make that argument about most major religions. When you include such big numbers, of course you're going to have huge chunks of the particular Muslims, Jews, Christians. A massive majority of every one of them. A lot of people were nice human beings, right? So there's no argument there. Nope. The, the part that tricky to me that seems bizarre is in la- if you are a good human being, what prompts you to want to be a member of an organization with history? It's not like, oh, oops, occasionally we screwed up a few things. When you have an organization that has a track record from day one of the most insane level of human rights abuses, corruption, political backstabbing, you know, some of, I mean, if you really, if you sit down, yeah, yeah. On an epic scale, inventing new, better ways to torture. Absolutely. I was reading something the other day about how, uh, something mild, okay, not even the wars and the torture and all of that, something relatively mild, how, you know, Rome in the 1500s during, uh, during Easter, you were required to show up at communion and take communion and the priest would take names and make sure that and it wasn't an option. It's like, this is what you have to do. And if you were like rich and you were hung over that Sunday and didn't make it in, what, what happened? There was, a, come visit? there was a pip, uh, there was a police uh, by the Pope that would essentially track you down for various reasons, including reason, you know, heresy was a big deal. I mean, think about something, speaking of the weird six things of the whole history a list of prohibited books. Yes. Owning them was ground for a visit by the Inquisition. Owning them was grounds for potentially a very bad route unless you quickly apologize in 17,000 ways and swore you would never do that again and still you were on the edge and the odds were not exactly on your side. So, I mean, the point being, we can go on with a million of these examples. Oh, we yeah. chance, Inquisitions, Crusades. Yeah, Inquisitions uh, 400 uh, years of Inquisitions. It wasn't just over in an afternoon. I want to say even more. Yeah, I think it was. I think even more. Yeah, I think it's 600. But yeah, it's insane. It's like some really long period of time where... Or my pal Galileo. Right. But he was like, friends with the new Pope. Yep, yep, yep. yep and yep. thought he would get some leniency. Hey, mm-hmm. my friend's the Pope now. This is going to be all right. What did right. he do? He locked him up! Yep, 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 yep. And, you know, the reason why he didn't end up burning at the stake is because he had to say, I'm sorry, I was really, really wrong. I'm not. But, you know, it's like, that's what he had to say. So the bottom line is, I mean, the institution of the Catholic Church has been one of the things that you really have to come up with some seriously contorted way to justify its existence on grounds other than pure evil. Because as an institution... I mean, again, it's kind of like, think of it as a person, you know, if you help old ladies cross the street, but then you have just uh, murdered and drunk the blood of 50 kids, helping the old lady cross the street doesn't quite make up for the other stuff. You know, there are certain things that once you have enough of a track record, and that's like, that, going back to, I guess, my original point on this is what I don't understand is what makes good human beings, as there are plenty of good people, human beings among Catholics as in any other religion, what makes you want to be part of an institution that's so screwed up in its history from the get-go that is, I mean, how can you even think that you can redeem it or turn it around? I mean, the institution itself is sick. But they're da- they seem to be dazzled by it almost. I mean, a, a guy I was working with today, mm-hmm. a gay guy, mm-hmm. 
went to the Vatican with his parents when he was younger and mm-hmm. knew he was gay already and did one of these audiences with the Pope, which I thought, oh, you got to, no, it's like a thousand people sure. in the room, but still. Right. And he said, even at that age, knowing that they were against everything he wanted to live like, was still just dazzled by the pomp and the, you know, yeah, Vatican that, itself just. That puzzles me a lot. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, it's like, if, and I don't doubt, like the guy, Oliver, for example, I don't doubt that the guy is probably a good guy, despite the fact that he kicks you around. And that. Uh, He's in the censorship. That's what worries me. And that, you know. He's a good guy who probably means well. As all this. So it's like, I'm sure that if we talk about something else, it's like, it's all good and fine. What I don't understand is what prompts somebody who's a good human being to want to be associated, having their name associated with something that's so disturbing, which we're not talking about the words of Jesus in the gospel, regardless of whether you feel they're historically true or not, whatever. Sure. No, you're not talking about that. You're talking about an institution with a very clear-cut history, and it's dark and ugly and scary. Why would you want to be part of that? Now, in his case, he's not, because as he said in his thing, he's like, he's no longer part of Catholicism, so he's kind of making a point from the outside. But the same could be, I mean, the other, you know, a few days ago, I recorded a podcast. I was a guest uh, on this podcast, which sounded like a bad start, because like, there's me, there's uh, a Catholic priest and a Protestant pastor. And I was like, nobody had any thumb screws or anything with them, did they? They, we got along perfectly. Now, I don't know how, I'm not exactly sure how, but we got along perfectly. They were really nice people. They were open. So, I mean, talking with these guys, they were like, they are clearly good human beings. And so my issue was, because you clearly are a good human being, why, why, why? Again, I'm repeating myself because it just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I don't it. Get never it. has, though. Were you ever religious or no. was your family? No. I, remember, I was actually baptized Catholic, but I was like 11. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately... Days before, I had seen Mel Brooks' History of the World Part One, <laughs> with the dancing priests singing about the Inquisition. Right here we go. So I had questions from the very beginning, as this creepy dude is spreading oil on my forehead and all this sort of madness that uh, just never hooked. Right. My mother had a, a flash of you know she didn't want us to die and, and float in the ether for all time or whatever. But I think that's where my friends are going to be anyway. Right. <laughs> no, the whole thing puzzles me, man. I, I definitely understand the sense of community, and I've actually joked with a couple of my friends, especially with your book coming out, available now, um, <laughs> to create your own religion. The fellowship aspect of uh-huh. it is awesome. The the potlucks, the socials, the little show, you know. I agree, but I'm sure being a member of the Nazi party in 1930s was awesome. Had cake you got, too. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the movies by Lenny Richardson, when you, which I totally butchered her name again, but, you know, I butcher everybody. The she, uh, they are awesome. You know, they make you like Hitler because there's this sense of power. There's like all these people who look at Hitler and they're all waiting for him to finish the speech and they explode with one voice in this, there's this sense of awesomeness about it. And then you stop to think and it's like, it's about this evil fuck who's saying the worst things in the world. Yeah. But the way it comes out, the way it probably felt, I mean, if you can feel it through watching the documentary, you can only imagine what it must have felt like to be in the middle of it. It must have been this super with powerful- people. Yeah, super powerful experience. No, they, um, I don't know if it's been around for a while, but I found on the internet where they have subtitled his speeches. Mm-hmm. And there's no question in my mind that people could fall for it here. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Especially oh. as things get tougher. Oh, 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 I have to tell you a story about that. 
there's this tale of Habio Abby Hoffman. Um, if you guys don't know, he was kind of crazy wild activist from the 1960s. And one thing that he did in one occasion, standing up in front of this very leftist uh, group was to deliver the speech. Everybody went nuts for it. They thought he was awesome. They started clapping. Hoffman interrupted them and said, I'm sorry, I appreciate that you guys are clapping, but I can't claim clarity for it because this was a speech delivered by Adolf Hitler in 1930-something and everybody just went nuts because they had been taken in. And uh, so, yeah, what you said, people would go for it. People, of course they would. Because It's the right words at the right moment. Yep. It's, you know, look at us. Yep. Homeland security. Mm-hmm. If you're not for us, you're against us. Why do you hate America? Right. The whole... I don't know, man. No, so that's what I I don't get. You know, it's like I understand. You know, people who are um, you wanna you get your inspiration from the Bible. Now I'll read it. Not my thing. Ninety five percent of it I find it weird and disturbing. There are some parts that are cool and even I can relate to and think, oh, this is a really good idea. But for the most part, would not be my number one source. But at the end of the day, who cares, right? Because I mean, the whole point is if that helps you be a better human being. That's all that I care about. I have no argument with you based on ideology. I don't care about ideologies. You know, this guy being Catholic makes me throw up. This other guy being Catholic, I'm totally down with because he's helping him be a good human being. But once you have established that, and that goes for all the religions, that at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is if your beliefs help you be nicer to your neighbors or if you're going to be more of a dick. That's really the only litmus test that counts. Yeah. Once we have gone past that, which is an important start, still the question is, why associate yourself with something that does Because again, it's not a book. A book, you can take what you like, get rid of the stuff you don't like. I get that. But an institution, being a member of an institution, I am such and such, that means that you are inevitably tying yourself to a series of history, of events, of policies, of things that those are much harder to spin in a good way. You know, you can spin the Bible in a good way, take some creative things, but you can do that. How are you gonna spin any of the, some of the most horrendous institutions that came out of it as probably completely subverting, by the way, the nicer passages from the Bible? It's just, that part is what I don't get. And um, and even with, you know, brand new Pope Francis, which mm-hmm. it's sort of a hopeful moment. He's obviously a humble guy. He's not in it for the for the posh and mm-hmm. you know this. And uh, did you see him washing the feet? Yeah, uh, that was. It's like know. the United Colors of Benetton. I think yep. there was a Muslim guy in there and two women. I mean, he really did take it a few steps that I had, nobody had ever seen before. No, that but was at the cool. same time. Don't be gay. No, I mean don't when buy it, a rubber. Right when it comes the to the same crazy shit. Yeah. It's all still in place. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because it's not just the history. Think about the, the modern policies. Yes. What the church endorses as far as anti-contraception, anti- Not to worry that it's a real good way to stop the spread of AIDS. Right, exactly. It's like, no, because if you follow what we tell you to, which is celibacy, unless you're married, then you will need the condoms. And so you will be protected from AIDS. It's only if you engage in sinful behavior that you're screwed up and in the case too bad because we have already given you the solution. <laughs> well, I think the, the most hilarious thing about all that is it really seems like at the end of the day, they're worried that Jesus might not show up. But 
there was no human sex required to get Jesus here in the first place. Right. I mean, but that, that whole thing, I actually, one of these times, I want to dedicate most of an episode to the... Um, and somebody actually asked for it among the questions, and I kept pushing it because I want to dedicate more time, and then I never got to it. But I want to dedicate time one time to uh, the history of sex in Christianity. Because when you look at it, just to give you guys a little bit of a um, preview, in some way it makes no sense because when you look at Jesus' words about sex, the guy just doesn't address the topic. One of the very few passages in which he does address it, most people have, are not sure whether he's actually making a point or he's trying to argue the exact opposite by taking the logic of his, op- of his opponents to his, log- to his ultimate consequences making fun essentially of what he's saying you know there's this whole thing of like if uh, your eye uh, causes you to fall into sin because you're checking out that woman and you're having these thoughts you should pluck out your eye you know he's going like super hardcore radical and some people say look the guy is joking with people who are taking rules too seriously he's saying why stop there you know let's go 10 steps further in a way that clearly he doesn't mean literally he's trying to argue the opposite maybe maybe not the bottom line is those are a couple of minor passages rather ambiguous by the way yep. and other than that is a known topic you know the gospels don't tell us whether the guy was married or not don't tell us anything boy that'll rile up some christians quickly won't it the, the whole jesus was married yeah i mean but the fact Ooh. is nobody knows well he was right? gone i mean nobody nobody has an idea and the thing is so sex is a known issue in early Christianity and suddenly becomes this enormously important thing because the reality of it that the majority of Christian theology has way less to do with Jesus than it does with St. Paul. And St. Paul will be the guy who come around and fill in the blanks among the many competing visions of what Christianity means in the early Christian community. St. Paul, Paul's version will be one of the most successful and his version is you know, he fill in the blank about sex, he fill in the blank about all this other stuff, and what he lays down and low, which, by the way, I find interesting how people edit the Bible in that regard, because what Semple flat out states in the Gospels is that, I mean, sorry, not in the Gospels, in the rest of the New Testament, the parts that he authors, some of the letters and so on, he argues that the ideal Christian behavior when it comes to sex is full celibacy, no sex of any kind and only a very distant second is sex for procreation within marriage sex for pleasure within marriage is still sinful so i love it how people will i the bible is true word by word well except this shit that i don't like so i'll skip that part and instead i'll focus but the bible is absolutely true every single part of it is divinely inspired one of the arguments that I do make in Create Your Own Religion is people. when people say they follow a religion, maybe they mean it, but in reality, that's a lie. Because nobody follow a religion word by word the way it's supposed to be written. Because there are mutually contradictory messages, because there's stuff that no longer works in the modern world because of a million things. So what inevitably end up happening is that everybody will pick and choose the passages they like skip over the unsavory parts that feel weird and uneasy and you just poop it's like it's not even there you just skip over those lines ignore the implications and you essentially make up your own thing within the boundaries of the existing theology um what i would suggest and that's kind of what i do with my book is let why don't why not be a little more honest at that point if you are admitting that you're making up your own thing anyway why limit yourself to one tradition 
why why not pick from any pick source the best of everything. exactly whatever works to create your own path which to me is the only honest thing that somebody can do did you have a story in 50 things i may not be remembering correctly but early christianity what there was this more of a uh, marymount um oh yeah there was good um, time sect yeah i was talking about this dude carpocrates carpocrates yes, yes, was yes. this uh, Greek Christian guy from the second century were in, um, you know, that's the variety that Christianity, that was part of Christianity at the time. You had St. Paul, you know, no sex whatsoever. That's the ideal thing, full celibacy. You had the hermits going off in the desert, torturing themselves to avoid temptation. And then you had Carpocrates, who in the Greek islands, he had this community where they would have full-on orgies that were part of the idea was that they opened the keys to heaven, which I kind of agree with, So, but good for him. At least it's going to increase attendance on Sunday. Seriously. He, uh, <laughs> he uh, pushed this kind of semi-communist ideal where there wouldn't be any private property. Uh, not even communist, because it's not like state-regulated. It's a small community, but it would be this ideal of no private property, everybody shares everything. And no private property also applied to sexual partnership where... He was like, anybody wants to have sex with somebody else, they have sex with somebody else. There's no so totally anti-marriage. And, uh, you know, that was also part of Christianity. So just, that's just to show you that the variety was just off the wall, right? There was the only thing they all had in common was they all said Jesus was a cool guy. Yeah. Other than that. I agree with yeah, that. Which, I think I think what he has to say is great. Like the Jefferson Bible, where it's just Jesus's quotes there's easy things to follow in that there's some most of that i would agree yeah. there's some really cool stuff there's also some parts that i'm like ooh, you know some parts i find disturbing i mean one of my favorite there's this passage most people don't quote it because it's just so weird like there's this passage where jesus is is hungry and he goes to this fig tree to pick a fruit except that it's not the right season so the fruits are not there so he cursed the fig tree and say he will never make fruits again and all of that and you're like Jesus, literally. What the hell? <laughs> you know, calm down a little there. It's going to be spring really? soon. It's, it's like, going to be all right. Exactly. This, so. this has been a pretty good tree for the past few years, yeah, man. That, that one was brilliant. And then, you know, the stuff, the the parts that hardcore fundamentalists love to quote, the nobody goes through the Father but through me, you know, this very one-way approach. Yike. That's like the roots of all nasty fundamentalism that I read on the just because in my experience in everything else in life there's no one way to do things. So to assume that it would apply to religion that there's only one right way and everybody else is wrong, everything in life show me otherwise. So I'm not exactly you know so those passages bug me a lot sure. even within the economy of jesus words even taking everything else outside of the bible i was leaning more towards the kinder gentler jesus and, and so there are take care of each other sort and, of. and there are those paths i mean one of my favorite all-time thing on jesus there's this uh it's only reported in one of the gospels so some people question the authenticity but then again the whole thing could be made up so none of you know <laughs> they didn't write of any of it down till a couple hundred years after everybody yeah, was gone like the, um, there's this one story about um this mob gathering to stone to death this woman who's guilty of having had sex outside of marriage. And, you know, according to the laws of the time, that's what you need to do. You gather up, you, I mean, hell, you don't, if you put on YouTube, you can watch uh, the exact same thing happening in Afghanistan and parts of other parts of the world where there's the exact same thing being done, right? Have you ever seen those videos? I, I've never watched the stoning. They're 
freaking disturbing not good, not as good. hell. But yeah, so you have the nice mob getting together, ready to stoner, and uh, Jesus breaking the law, essentially, by going against the carrying out of a sentence that, according to the law of the time, is exactly what you should be doing in the contest, breaking the law, which already makes me like him, right? Outlaw Jesus, I can dig him. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, challenging the mob to essentially being, uh, challenging to make them look at themselves, being like, you really feel entitled to start throwing stones at somebody because they committed something wrong, because you have such a clean record and you've never done anything wrong. Not a like, single thing. And so the whole thing was like, yeah, any one of you who have never made a mistake, by all means, cast the first stone. And they're like, okay, maybe. You know, through power of charisma, through intensity, he's able to push away a stone-happy mob ready to kill a woman. Why? Because of the egregious scene of having sex outside of marriage. Now that, I can get behind that. That's Jesus is awesome there, right? I really dig. So again, this is not to say, oh, Christianity is all bad or Jesus sucks or Jesus is great. It's like, look at it story by story. Look at each message. Some parts are going to click and are going to make perfect sense and I dig them. Other parts, the implication are going to disturb the hell out of me. Not because who's saying that, but because the meaning of the message lead to very ugly places. To me, that's what it's all about, you know, do it with all religions, all philosophies, everything you read, see what makes sense, take it, adopt it into your life, use it to create your own way of life, reject the rest. And that to me, how you, how any adult human being should handle their own life to create their own philosophy in a sense, and not necessarily just buy some prepackaged ideology and identifying it and it's like wait what is that we believe about this oh we believe this thing is really important to well it seems like it's all to be cashed in later anyway behave this way in mm -hmm. this life and you will be rewarded well there's no guarantee of that nobody's come back to report on it right so why don't you behave nice in this life Right, because that's one of the things that everybody always argues, unless there's some religious morality, then there wouldn't be any morality at all. I don't believe that. Because I, th think, I think good exists just fine without God. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing that's weird. In the case of many people, they probably need it. Yes. There are plenty of people who probably do horrible things unless they believe that their karma will be screwed up and they are reincarnated into a worm, or they will burn in hell forever. But while that may be true, I that's not exactly the kind of humanity that I'm focusing on is somebody who only behaved decently because of fear of punishment. Yike, 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 yike. Then you behave decently. I mean, I'd rather you behave decently out of fear than you being a dick, but at the end of the day, you're still an ugly human being. You're just pretending to put on the face of a nice human being because you're afraid. The human beings I'm interested in the way they behave doesn't come because of fear of punishment or hope for reward. You do certain things because it just feels good to do it because it seems like it's the right thing to do. End of story. Yep. And um, But I think, you know, the fact that there's not a lot of evidence that we live in a moral universe, the fact that, you know, this notion that good is rewarded, evil is punished, certainly doesn't look like... I mean, in the if you look at nature... Yeah, good luck finding it there, right? It's like you're a happy deer munching on your grass, doing your thing, and suddenly a tiger jump on your back, rip your body open, and start eating. It's like, 
the fuck, man? I'm a happy deer. I haven't hurt anybody. Why? You know, so you but definitely. the tiger's not doing anything wrong. He's just being a tiger. Absolutely. So, you, but again, in fact, he's not evil, but I'm just saying is yeah. you certainly don't it's find. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you don't find it in nature. Among humans, yeah, clearly you see all the good people being rewarded and all the bad ones being, it's like, it doesn't work. No. So the only way to come up with a sense of morality in the universe beside the morality that you want to implement for yourself is the unseen morality. Is well, you don't see the whole stories. The bad ones will get their due in the afterlife or in the next reincarnation or whatever the fuck. And it's like <laughs> nice thoughts, but no, that's just not. So I don't know. This kind of stuff to me is. Um, I don't get it. It just seems like kind of desperate. It seems, um, and really, if all your actions are motivated by this notion of fear or hope, it's bad news. Or maybe it's just the old Woody Allen notion of I'd never belong to a club that would have me as a member. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Even that, you know, the very idea of belonging, which is what drives churches, what drives motorcycle gangs, what drives, you know, all organization, whether they are criminal organization, religious organization, political parties, people who go to the stadium and are hardcore fans of a team or whatever that is, that drive to belong, very human drive, I understand it, but that's one of the most dangerous things in the universe, because in the name of buying into an identity, uh, having your flag, having your colors, having your slogan. We're blue, let's go kill those your, red guys. Exactly. It's like, it's inevitably built on conflict that's not based on, you know, I don't like that human being, is you are a member of the other tribe. We need to wipe you all out. And it's like, so the desire to belong, I find it, and ultimately I find it disturbing, not only because of the nasty consequence it leads to, but because the price of admission is your individuality. You have to, because everything of your individuality that doesn't fit into the group ideology, you need to trim it and get rid of it in order to fit in. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, that's a bad trade, man. Very, very bad trade, which... Yeah, we probably did Dodger Stadium last last year when they beat that guy down in the damn parking lot. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, and here is strange. Where I grew up in Italy, people kill each other on a regular basis because of soccer. For soccer? Oh, yeah. God. And it's just like, because that guy wears the different color mm -hmm. T-shirt. And you're like, wow. No, they're, they're showing a lot of English Premier League these days. And sometimes in the, in the end zones, there's a whole missing section where they don't seat anybody there right. to keep them separated. Yep, 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 of course. Wow. Yep. And, and it boils down, it's the same thing. I mean, in that case, it's bizarre because it really boils down to 11 guys chasing a ball that's not even... But whether it applies to religion, to politics, to ethnic, it's all the same shit, right? It's all about this idea of us versus them, our color, our flag, our slogan, our code of beliefs, our rituals. The good side is it make us feel like we are in it together, we're this happy little tribe. Yep. The bad side is that it's built on opposition to somebody else and is built on you squashing parts of you that don't fit into what it means to be a good member of the group 
he, 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 you know, I had, uh, even in martial arts, like I had a guy once to, telling me that he was one of these hardcore believers in the style, you know, he was a faithful of that one particular style of martial art. And I remember asking the dude, so if somebody show you a technique that works 100% of the time, is totally effective and is not part of the style, would you teach it to your students or no? And he would be like, no, he would, he would never. not. No. I was like, Bruce Lee would not approve of that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, but, nobody with three brain cells would approve of that, right? I mean, yeah. that just doesn't make sense. But you've got so many of those hardcore people that are wound that way. Yeah. That is this, I don't know. I, I imagine a, an awesome little planet, and, and maybe we need to be invaded by aliens or, or whatever. Maybe we need a comet headed our way. But even in that moment, now you're united against something else. It's like, we'll mm-hmm. never band together to take care of each other, which is madness. Right. We'll just shit this place up and destroy it, rather than help each other out. And it doesn't seem... That's why revolutions work as long as there's the bad tyrant that everybody hates. Sure. But the second you get rid of him, the one thing that kept you together, which was hatred for this guy... Breaks apart and they start fighting you, again. Absolutely. Yep. And you start picking on each other totally. Oh, That's yeah. just the nature of the business. That's the way every ending of a good alien invasion. We, yep. we whipped them. Now we'll get back to fighting just like we did. Absolutely. We're silly creatures, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Let me rephrase. They are silly creatures. Exactly. Those of us who haven't figured out... I don't know. Why are they trying to cut the sex out? That's the craziest thing. I, I want to, yeah, one of the future episodes, I want to dedicate plenty of time to that because it's juicy and fun. And, um, well, that was rant terrific. And Oliver, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings because I do understand completely that there are fine folks that it's very important to them. And you know what? I give a shit not what anybody believes. The only time it bothers me is when you're knocking on my fucking door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when you're crossing over. I don't need to be, you know, we're all stocked up on religion here, friend. Please move along. And I think, yeah, that's the thing. People sometimes forget, in the U.S. particular, there's a lot of, um, this is more Protestant, evangelical Christians who are all like, Christianity is being persecuted. All these people are pissed off with Christianity, which other than the fact that is ridiculous, the... Um, they're, they seem to forget that a lot of the backlash toward Christianity comes from the fact that people are peace beyond belief after having been squashed, their rights being squashed, their lives being squashed for hundreds of years by people that in the name of Christianity wanted to impose it by force on everyone else, want to impose their morals and their beliefs on everyone else, and then you are surprised because people are pissed. People are not pissed because you think Jesus is a nice guy. Nobody, it's fine. Jesus is a nice guy or he's not, whatever, but it's your opinion. Nobody will get mad at you for that. Yeah, it's more of your the, Cortez friends and people like right, that. Is, That's is, the move that people aren't really down with. Yeah, it's a history of uh, freedom squashing, bloodshed, and uh, repression of individual rights. That may have something to do with the backlash, you know. It's really amazing how free we do have it here. And I understand that they're trying to grab our rights left and right all the time. But overall, if you want to light a pile of spaghetti on fire and, mm-hmm. and worship the spaghetti monster, you sure can. No, absolutely. And in fact, it's one of those paradoxes. Like people are always bitching about where they live being, oh, it's terrible. It could be so much better. And it, it can always be so much better for sure. Yeah, but go find it. At the it. same time, yeah, look elsewhere and you start feeling, okay, maybe it's not. When I came here from Italy, I used to hate Italy. I really fucking hated it growing up in there. There were so many things that bugged me. When I moved there, suddenly I started appreciating some stuff about Italy because the good things 
I didn't see them. To me, they were, I took them for granted because it's like, how else are you going to be? Of course, you're going to be. This is just the main, the minimum logical thing to do. And it's not. Here, there will be a whole new, the good things here were completely unlike the good things in Italy. And the bad things here were completely unlike the bad things in Italy. So you almost need perspective there. You know, it's like growing up in one place, I only saw the bad shit. And, uh, and it's not that suddenly it's reversed and it's this paradise that what was I thinking? But you do see some of the things that just didn't click before. There's nothing more important. It's funny, of all things, my aunt sent me a little note today. I think today was uh, military brat day or something like that. But growing up in the military, we moved every 18 months. Uh-huh. And the official flower of the army brat is the dandelion. And having to reinvent you know the opportunity to reinvent yourself every 18 months or so is a wonderful thing but it's also awesome to have been in so many places across the country because the thought of growing up well, i've lived here since i was born right you know, that i've got no understanding of that right we lived in nine different places in 18 years no. but it enables you to be more understanding of other people. Mm-hmm. Be more, you know, willing to. Oh, that's kind of weird, but I guess that's okay. You know, when you're sat in one place and the same preacher's been yelling at you your whole life, and that's all you've ever heard. Right. What hope do you really have? That's where technology, by the way, comes in and is an awful big. Time. It's an amazing thing. I that... can't wait to see what does become of Afghanistan. And that I keep forgetting her name, but the little girl that just wants to go to mm-hmm. school, right, and caught a bullet in the head. Yep. Those are the leaders of tomorrow. Those are the the women are going to straighten out the Middle East. I'm pretty convinced of it. Yeah, because I mean, once you get TV, so you start seeing images of what life can be like in yep. other places, different values, different priorities, different ideas. DVDs, you get podcasts, you get you know all these media that transcend boundaries that people in the weirdest parts of the world consume something that was. Not even consume because it's some. It's more like interact and gain yeah. inspiration and get ideas from something that was created in a completely different context. That's like the coolest thing ever happened to humanity. Is suddenly you have this provincial. You don't know what's going on in the next valley, and so you stereotype everyone else, and you have this weird idea that get break, broken down by technologies, essentially offering at your doorstep without you having to leave the house a whole new different ways of looking at the word and the word gets out quickly too yep. it's not that oh we heard about this two weeks later I yep. mean, I, i'd always heard i have no knowledge if it's actually true but when tiananmen square went down mm-hmm. supposedly they pulled troops from a whole different province that had no idea the language that the kids that were protesting yep. speaking told them that they had some kind of crazy rage disease and they need to be taken care of. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, the word, no. I'm not saying it can't, but it just, it's going to be less likely. Yeah. And that's the, you know, where globalization got a bad name because of the economic injustices associated with globalization, which are totally true and they sure. are awful. Got to fix that. The cultural globalization is amazing. It's awesome. The fact that suddenly you have access to different religious ideas, political ideas, culture, movies, you name music, you name it, foods. You know, you can mix all these different... Today is the day of mixing. That's why yeah, it's... Uh, look at the Koji truck, man. <laughs> Korean meets meets Mexican? Yeah. Yep, Good. Yep. <laughs> That's a victory right there, man. Right. Or what uh, Thaddeus was saying last week about the, it was the blue jeans and the jazz music mm-hmm. is what the, the kids did not want to work in the goddamn tractor factory anymore. Yep, yep, yep. 
And who could blame them? And even ethnically, too, they were more mixed than ever. You oh, know, they're all going to be a uh, nice medium brown uh, one day. So and it's... Um, I don't know. I have hope for us all. Of course. It ain't going to be tomorrow, though. No, no, no. And I mean, the, it is complicated. It is a mess in so many levels. But at the same time, just because um, the challenges are uglier and weirder and scarier than ever in some ways and the opportunities are better and cooler and oh, so yeah. it's like the stakes are higher in every direction both good and bad at the same time oh technology alone and we uh, really yeah. could carry this in a bad direction where everybody does have the google glasses mm -hmm. on and we don't look at each other anymore right yeah. you know it's terrifying that was rantastic man that was the rantiest rant in a good while <laughs> and by god i needed it i feel better already good nice so no offense oliver no offense i appreciate that you wrote it man and um because he said his whole inspiration was we were chatting about if something pisses you off say something about yeah, it. yeah and i mean so that's, that's why i appreciate i appreciate the man telling us so and giving yeah. us opportunity to play with some of this stuff but and i'm not wearing the ball gag so no, we'll uh, we'll remove that for this time at this least. Time. No, no, but I mean, really, it's like it's not personal. None of this is. No. It's uh, it's about ideas that help you become a better human being, and ideas that historical or otherwise lead to nasty stuff. That's where it's at. Yeah, you know? nothing else. A lot of them out of the same scary book too. Yep. You know, uh, we had a guest last week, and when it's guest week, I always get a little sad because there's not a story. Now, we did have stories intertwined. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't know what a dick Miles Standish was. That's, I, I really learned quite a bit. Yeah, no, there are, that was the beauty of it. There were some little... I, I think I should wave a little flag about the book, though. Um... I thought I was just going to delight in the romp of history, and uh, I didn't quite agree with everything that was in the book. Uh, what's the percentage? 40, 60? Anyway, I, I'm desperate for a fresh story, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Story time. Today, the story, the man that we're going to be discussing, his life story, or I mean, this is legend, because I mean, all these accounts are, they are only from the 1800s, they're not even from that far back, but some of these accounts are legendary and they could be bullshit, but they are awesome anyway, so who knows. In any case, the um, hero of our story is a man by the name of John Garrison. John Garrison is not quite a cool enough name, so eventually his name will morph now. We're going to get to his nickname soon, which is what makes him cool and famous. But um, the good man grows up, enlists into the Navy, has some disagreement with his commanding officer, decide to punch him in the face. So he has to run off, uh, become a mountain man into the mountains of the Midwest, kind of far away from civilization, in the Rockies, on his own, among natives, hunting animals, doing his thing and um, changes his name around and but the name that he will become famous for it will be one that happens at a critical juncture in his life now 
he has in the meantime married a flathead Indian woman. Flathead is the name of a tribe. And uh, she's pregnant, about to give birth to their kid. He's off hunting. Something happens where he pisses off some people from the Crow tribe who uh, pay a visit to his cabin while he's not there, murder his wife and unborn kid. Our, the hero of our story comes back, sees what happened, doesn't take it too well. No. Let's just say that from that moment on, he will be known after he changes his last name to avoid being caught because of the punching of the officer and all of that. He'll be known as Mr. Liver Eating Johnson. Liver Eating Johnson, because, they, by the way, they made a movie about it in the 70s with uh, Robert Redford called um, Jeremiah Johnson, which oh. was loosely based on this story, just in a much tamer version. Today, the movie would be, I think, even cooler because it would be more like Spartacus Quentin or something. Quentin Tarantino exactly. Absolutely. But basically what happens is the crows will find out that they made a really bad mistake they seriously killed the wrong woman because what they unleash is something darker, nastier, and uglier than anything they've ever seen in their worst dreams. What they unleash is this demon inside Johnson that comes out because he's going to live for revenge and he's going to be good at it. So what he does is he spends several next years of his life doing his trapping and hunting animals and doing the thing as a good mountain man would do and also hunting down members of the Crow tribe, finding anybody who's gone off from camp on their own, killing them, promptly cutting them up and eating their liver. Uh, part of the idea was that according to Crow beliefs, uh, it was important for somebody dying, their liver was a key important thing for the afterlife, eating their liver was the ultimate insult. Now, the crows freak out that there's somebody who's out stalking, hunting them, and eating them. That doesn't go well. In this one occasion, they send 20 guys looking for Johnson. None of them will make it ever back to camp. Were they aware that it was him? Uh, yeah, there's this... Um, they start understanding, and this one guy's like, damn, we pissed off the wrong guy. And he... You know, the legends about him start getting wilder and wilder. There's this tale at one point he's caught by Blackfeet Indians who uh, decide that they are going to sell him to the Crow tribe since they hate him so bad. They figure they'll get some decent price out of it. Except that Johnson is not quite ready to sign up for that plan. So he, while he's in a teepee with the other guys are sleeping, the guy standing guard is nodding off a little too much. He managed to break through his uh, the ropes, tying him up, kill the guard. Now this is where it gets fun. He chops off the leg of this guy he just killed because now he's uh, semi-naked and he's going to have to run for literally about 200 miles to the closest place where he's going to be safe with Blackfeet Indian on his trail. He's going to wear his feet. And he's because he's running all the time, he's not going to have time to you know stop to hunt or do this or do that, but he's carrying a leg with him, which means that when he gets hungry, he starts munching on the leg of his guard, and uh, that's how he survives for the next 200 miles. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's Mr. Jeremiah Johnson. At some point, he'll actually make... Um, Mm, he'll enlist in the Union Army during the Civil War, uh, goes fighting for a year, then he comes back, goes back into the mountains, and eventually, years down the road, he actually makes peace with the Crow tribe. They decided to bury the hatchet, quite literally, and become friends, and 
his liver eating days are done and uh, it's over. You know, the revenge thing has gone far enough. But that's like the ultimate revenge story. There's the... And there's something about that theme that intrigues me because not only because I'm a mean bastard and revenge intrigues me a lot, but there was a movie once that... Um, have you ever seen uh, Legends of the Fall? Oh, yes. That's the one movie that... The only movie that I've ever really liked that I've never been able to watch a second time. Something really trippy happened to me that makes me think of this story sometime because one of the things in Legends of the Fall... When he is, comes back? Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. that scene... Um, there's a scene where uh, right after somebody he loves has been killed and he goes and they don't show you what he does, but they show him coming back into camp, covered in scalps, covered in blood. Everybody kind of move aside as he's walking through camp. And it's a really weird image because there's this sense of extreme power. Like the guy is untouchable. He can get revenge in any way he wants to. And yet none of that power means shit because the one thing that he would want to do, which is bring back his loved one, he can't do. Yeah. The only thing he can do is kill to sort of make the demons that are screaming in his ears and tearing him apart be quiet for a while by drowning them in blood, but you never get really get rid of them. You know, in some ways, the same story if you read like ancient, like you read the Iliad, right? That's the Achilles story. Um, they kill his friend. That's when he decides to get back into battle and is bad news for the Trojans because they are going to get you know, again, they unleash this monster that in a way has lost all humanity and only lives to thrive on revenge. Well, there's nothing worse than the man with nothing to lose. Yeah, precisely. You've taken and, the most um, important thing, so yeah. And that's where it freaks me out because in, you know, when I think about my life, I'm just like, psh, it's nothing like it. You know, there's no, the only time ever where I felt a strong sense that there may be something to reincarnation was on this theme. Because, like, I remember when I watched that, I could not say a word for, like, five hours. And it's not even that it's such an unusual theme. I mean, you see a bunch of movies, a bunch of stuff is about revenge and this and that and the other. That image, that vibe, it was weird. It wasn't even like watching a movie. It was like, oh, fuck, I remember now. You know, it was more like that. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm making it up and that's entirely possible that who the hell knows why it hit me so strongly and it may have nothing to do. I'm not saying I do believe in necessarily reincarnation, but it was one of those moments that it made me think because I was like, okay, this is unlike anything I've ever experienced in this life and yet it rings beyond true, beyond real for me in a way that's so deep in my gut that is kind of freaking me out here. So a serious deja vu moment almost. Yeah, that yeah. freakishly serious deja vu. That's why it really never happened to me that I've never been able to watch a movie I love again. Never, because the vibe was so intense. I was like, yep, I'm not doing that again. So we'll be running an experiment next week. We're going to bring that in. Tie me up and make me watch Legends of the Fall. If you have to run, we'll let you run. We don't want that. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. I know my wife has sort of a reoccurring thing, and she's Cherokee. And um, it's always with the Chief Joseph story hmm. that she always has a tie, or the you know wakes up and they're running again. They're running, right. and 
that one comes back to her a lot. So yeah, I don't know. That's a trip, you know, because you do your people and not crazy people. People who you would believe in other ways would seem to have either flashes or images that are recurring that show up that are like from other historical period or things like that where you're like wow what the hell is that about yeah. you know and that one definitely is for me it's not a pleasant one man i wish i had some cooler prettier sweeter story because that's not a it's not a happy emotion you know the vibe that I associated with that is the sense of insane power but it's a dark ugly power and empty is yeah it's empty because at the end of the day you still have this gigantic hole of what has been ripped away from you that no amount of revenge ever satisfied it. The revenge is just something that makes it shut up for a while, you know, where there's too much pain, too much horror, too much ugliness, and you go for the revenge and for that moment you don't hear the demon screaming, so to speak. I worked on a movie for a while, and I think it finally came out, but I don't know under what name. But they went back to Rwanda mm-hmm. 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And they'd have these things called kutachas. I'm saying it wrong. But it goes back to a tribal, sort of a judicial system mm-hmm. where they killed a million people in 100 days. Right. They were 50 times more efficient than the Nazis, and they did it all with machetes. Yep. But Rwanda is the size of Maryland, Mm -hmm. and there were like 9 million people down to 8 million people. Then, when the president came in with the army, another million people split. Right. So you can't put a million people in jail when you only have 7 million people. So they were at a loss of what to do. And it reached a point where if you would come forward, tell everything you did. In graphic detail. Right. And they want to know everything. I killed the children over there with the brick and then cut one off a woman's back and cut her head off. and Everything. They wanted to know where the bones were buried and everything you did. And if you would stand forward and do that, they would forgive you. Wow. And you could literally move back to the house you lived in. Now, I can't explain it at all. No. The only thing I could come... Because we had women... She's missing an arm that was hacked off when they killed her child. And she forgave the man that did this. Now, I don't think I have that capacity. No. But what I these don't. folks said is that the rage and the revenge burns in you so hot mm-hmm. that it's consuming you anyway. It is. It and is. And the capacity to just, all right, I forgive you. I don't ever want to see you again. No. But to be able to send that person on their way and, and kind of douse that revenge. No, I cannot explain it. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's like, it's so beyond what I can understand. No, more than understand, because maybe I, can, I understand it, but more than what I can feel. Yeah. That is, uh, if you can do it, I guess, good for you. You know, if you feel that that's what you need to do, good for you. It just... No, I don't believe I have that capacity I, no, either. No, no, and, no. And, and found a few examples around the world, like a, a guy who had planted bombs for the IRA mm-hmm. would come meet the family members of the people he'd blown up. right. And they were a little more, you were a soldier, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. was kind of, and then an ama- the amazing one was a, a Palestinian father whose daughter had been just randomly shot by a rubber bullet from some right. know, defense force kid, just lollygagging home from school, and a father whose daughter had been blown up in a suicide bomb attack, who was an Israeli guy. These guys got together, and they realized... We can either keep ratcheting this up right. and keep killing each other, or we can decide that ours will be the last pain. Right. So, once again, 
incredible the capacity that people have. That is still beyond me, but I have, uh, you know, I can see it even a little better because there's an element that's not as personal. Right. You know, as you went and you you blew up the enemies and it happened to be, you know, it's still nothing that I could deal with, but I can see it a little more. Yeah. When it's a level like the Rwanda story where it is very personal, where you're looking into the eyes of a person whose head you're chopping off. Yeah, no, sorry, man. It's like, um, no, the only thing I could ever, because you work on something like that for 11 months, it does seep in a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it was between that and I don't think you even have a capacity to even, because I'm with you. You killed my kids, the next brick is coming at your head when I right. get a hold of you. But I think if you've suffered that sort of horrific thing it may trigger something in you where you need that but i guess it's back to our story the liver eating johnson is yes the dude eats a bunch of them over a period of years yep they have done something horrible to him he really exact a price out of them after that i can see how 20 years down the road they are able to say okay it's done but before no it just but even then that still had to be a tricky day yeah when he's coming into camp and a bunch of people are like, wait, you ate my brother. Exactly. And, There's always yeah. going to be Charlie in the bags. Like, no, fuck no. Yeah. yeah He's going to yeah. pay. Exactly. How they call him Charlie? Maybe they got everybody really high or something. But Or maybe he ate them all. The ones who are <laughs> most pissed off, they all ended up in his stomach. <laughs> and everybody else was a little more on the mellow end. Oh, so genocides, uh, revenge murders. Uh, that's quite a happy story time right of there. Of course. Oh, wait for the dream time. That's going to get even sweeter. And now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Because we are in a bloody, ugly, strange mood, um, let's add to this. I'll pick from old dreams. This is one of those that has stayed with me a long damn time because I woke up and I was like, Jesus Christ, Daniele, what the hell? Is this a reoccur? No, or is this it's just... a one-time thing. But Ooh. the vibe is reoccur. The details are one-time. Uh, kind of a, I don't know what historical period it is, but it's like I am with, it could be like Old West kind of thing. I don't know exactly, but I am with these other guys. We're riding on horses, moving from town to town. I don't know what we do, who we are, not entirely clear, but get into this one town. Now, among the people who are in this group with me, there's this young kid. He's maybe... 13 years old, 12 years old. Sort of like the mascot of the group in a way or something. And we're getting ready to, you know, stop, drink something, getting ready to ride out and nobody can find this damn kid. And we're like looking for him and so on. So I go look and I turn around the corner and I find him. Uh, He's trying to rape an an eight-year-old girl. I go and grab him by the hair, I pull his hair back and I cut his throat from side to side. And everybody else goes, Jesus, that's a little excessive, maybe, you know. And I get pissed, I'm like, excessive? Are you fucking kidding me? I was nice to this motherfucker. I should have taken my time with him, you know. I just got, are you kidding me? And afterwards I wake up. And I woke up and I was like, what the hell did I eat last night? You know, it's like, really? And that was a bit graphic and intense. And, you know, it's one of the things that I realized maybe like two to three times a year, I have dreams that are insanely graphically brutal. 
I never feel bad about it because I'm never a bad guy. I'm not doing horrible things to nice people ever. And uh, unlike the pre-martial art dreams, I'm usually not the victim of these dreams. You know, they're, but there's some insanely graphic, bloody stuff that I'm part of, usually because somebody seriously deserve it, which is a strange concept in itself, deserve. Well, but in this case, you know, motherfucker, don't rape an eight-year-old girl, I'll cut your throat. And, um, but still, when you wake up, it leaves you with confused emotions, to say the least. I could think, yeah. Because it's like, is it bad? I mean, it's not bad, but shit, why am I dreaming of this stuff, you know? Why can't I dream of just having a happy picnic Candy. among the lilies, you know? It's like, <laughs> what the hell? So, um, Dr. Freud, have fun with this dream. Wow. And let me clarify, I'm not a big fan of the death penalty in terms of, because I don't trust the state. So should a state have power to kill people? I'm not so sure, because I've seen so many judicial fuck-ups that I'm not definitely a big yeah, fan of that. Too many people being exonerated 20 yeah, years later from exactly. DNA, for sure. But once you remove the state out of the picture, if I, could, if I can trust myself, oh, there's a long killing list. You know what I mean? There's like... I'll keep that for another time. I actually was on uh, death row in San Quentin State Prison. Not literally, not meaning like me, I was in jail on death row, but I visited on death row back when they had an open visiting room, so it's not behind glass, you had everybody there and so on. And could some you, of the, Could you feel the evil? You know, most of the time, no. But most a few, Most of the I'm time, sure. one guy, I'm just going to throw a name out there, we'll keep it for another time. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Richard Ramirez, aka the Night Stoker, He's sitting demon, right across from me and staring at me. That was an interesting one. That was an interesting moment. He could probably tell you all about fricassee in her liver. And... Uh, oh, oh, oh. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, the raping, no more raping. No, fuck that. It's, like, it's just the lowest of the low. And for these boys, oh, she was drunk. Come on, it's dude. like I have no problem. Well, it's not that I have no problem, but murder, I understand it. You know, is uh, and that's what like the San Quentin experience was like. You know, a lot of people are more like caveman like, and you got the money, I want it, bang, bang, bang. You know, not nice, clearly messed up. It bothers me a lot less than rape because I mean, that says you're a caveman who want to grab shit. There's not necessarily a level of cruelty involving people who torture or rape or that kind of thing. That's, you are just a sorry excuse for a human being and you need a bullet in your head. Now, here is the part where it's disturbing. Uh, not that long ago, I saw a study that they had done at UCLA of all places where I actually did go to school. And I forget the percentage, but it was an insanely high percentage of male students stating that if they could get away they would rape. And it was a really freakishly high percentage admitting to this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? If you could get away, you would. And these are the people, back to our earlier conversation, who I guess need the idea that you will be punished if you do bad things because their moral compass is so fucked up that that's what's inside of them. No, it, does, it doesn't really shock me at all, though, because I remember I spent... I spent a year in a fraternity till I, I woke up. I was more there for the cheap rent. Mm -hmm. But um, that was something we were literally on the watch out for during parties. Right. To make sure when some little girl was getting way too drunk mm -hmm. that you marked her and made sure you kept an eye on it. Because there would be some son of a bitch yep. that would slide off. Yep. 
And, you know, you get caught with one of those and the party's over for everybody. Yeah, yeah of course. And, yeah, I used to think of numerous occasions. What that. the fuck are you thinking, man? Yeah, I've had that uh, once. I remember at a party when I was a kid, um, a girl was way wasted. And I remember somebody definitely making some bad moves. And so I just grabbed her and took off with her. Yep. And I was like, and she was... Afterwards, throwing up all over the place. Of course. Oh, I want to be at the party. And then the next day, she was like, oh, fuck, thank you. You know, this is like, yeah, yeah, fuck, whatever. But I don't know. To me, it's like the way I grew up is weird. It's like I had the opposite because I think there's so much ugly shit about men wanting sex from women in the nastiest ways, uh, even when it's not rape. But it's just like the, you know, this uh, very kind of gross, vulgar vibe about it. I got so freaked out in terms of not wanting to be that, that I would be like a freak on the other end. It's like there would be women who would be like totally into me, throwing themselves at me. And I would be like, fuck, I don't know. Because what if then I hurt her in some way emotionally and I do? It's like, Jesus, man, relax. It can be just yeah. fun and easy. But This it's one's like, saying, okay, go right ahead. Yeah, I was like completely at the other extreme because of, just even the thought of possibly being associated with the same bullshit predatorist mentality bugged me so much that I was like, I don't want anything from anybody about that. But you know what? We're probably bumming out too many people. So let's yeah, let's get out of that. I'm sorry. That was the most horrifying dream sequence ever. Sorry. I'll try to be sweeter next time. But I do understand your whole notion about, yeah, I'd rather be that guy too. No raping, everybody. No. <laughs> let's go into something uh at least neutral if not sweet well we can have a peek at the digital mailbag yeah 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 what and could, what could possibly go wrong in there probably the, the, the additional list of, of topics i'm no longer allowed to speak about <laughs> no no it's all mail actually i apologize in advance to a few people who sent um, questions that we're not going to really have time to address today jacob allen jake scog a couple of other people um so I'm just going to stick with one because we're running long already today. Um, so we'll start. A couple of people actually over the last few weeks have asked the same thing, which is what is uh, that uh, attracted me to history? Why am I into history? What is that I dig about it? And I mean, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one, I guess, because I could give all the politically correct versions of it, which is, you know, you history. And these are all true, by the way. You know, history is an awesome human lab. You know, it's something that beside your own individual experience, by studying history, you learn so much about values, priorities, ideas in practice and see the consequences. So it it's an, enlarges your experience. Uh, history really allows you to gain much more knowledge and wisdom by learning what other people have done and figure out where you stand on those things, what you would have done and all of that. I dig that part. It's funny though, I remember a lot of people really hated history. Well, but I think right. that's all the teacher. Yeah, it's because Because there's always some damn football coach that was just reading along with the book and regurgitate out Gettysburg in the right spot and that was it. It's and dry and no, boring. Oh, dry and horrible. A list of dates is not what you want. That's why a guy like uh, Dan Carlin, because we would like to have him on the show as a guest. Yeah. He's a fun guy. He has this podcast, uh, Hardcore History. And you listen to him and, uh, you know, he's a journalist. He's not a historian. But that's a good thing because the guy can tell a story, you know, and so you're there like, 
I remember him like I was listening to this sequence on the fall of the Roman Republic that he does in multiple episodes. And I've studied that shit since I was six year old in Italy, right? It's like forever you know about all the every, you know, so I know every damn story. The second he starts it, I know every character. I know what's going to happen. I know the whole thing. I've studied it so many times. Plus it happened 2000 some years ago. So it's not exactly news. And you're still sitting at the edge <laughs> of your chairs going, what's going to happen next? You know, so a lot of it is people love storytelling people hate drying boring stuff which is a lot of modern history that's how it's taught in the name of being objective they squeeze the fun out of it and so i mean yeah that definitely suck whereas the good things you know you do find the you know i'm a, plus i'm a nerd i like if i'm somewhere in the world i like to get a sense of place what happened there 50 years before 100 years before whatever but these are the kind of things that I'll say about the, what's important about history when I'm teaching a class. And they are true. They're not exactly the entire truth. Like, if I have to be honest with myself, the primary motivation why I started thinking that studying history was awesome. Money. I, unfortunately not. Oh. But w what else are people's priority? If it's not money. Power. Another one. Women. Okay, we're getting oh, there. wait a minute now. Sex. Why? What the hell? Why does history... Really? Reading a history book? Oh my God, the joys that studying history does for can do for your masturbatory fantasies. Your masturbation life will be so much better because of it. Because when you think about it, the mechanics of self-pleasuring are not exactly, you know... There's not so only so much variety, right? So it's like it can get pretty boring pretty quick. And I when you are under leg sling, <laughs> anyway, and when you are, you know, a young teenager, it's like there's not a whole lot of other action that's gonna take place. So that's gonna be an important part of your life, and you need some variation because you're getting horrendously bored, and yet the call is there. <laughs> History comes to the rescue. Why? Because 99% of that stuff is fantasy, right? It's not so much the mechanical action, it's where your brain is, what you can picture, how vivid is the image and all of that. That's what makes it exciting or not. I don't know why, but m tattooed Mayan women are suddenly swimming through my head. Precisely. So suddenly in history, you get these visual images of what it was like to be in completely different contexts. Now, this is not sexual in itself. It's like the food and the smells and the houses and the whatever, you know, all this other stuff. But the context of it all provide, you know, both the foreignness and weirdness of it all. The It changes the dynamics completely. Whatever sexual fantasy you're playing with, when suddenly you, you put it on the screen of history, so much wilder and more intense and suddenly exactly you are with tattooed Mayan women that you run into on the beach when you shipwreck. You are in the middle of an orgy with the followers of the Greek god Dionysus in ancient Greece in the forest with drums and everything. It's like that makes the mundane action of masturbation so much more fun and so the more you study history the more ammunition you have for this stuff if you could get your time belt where'd you go first anywhere uh, in history there are a lot of places i'm sure you got of, a ton but there's yeah. got to be a couple two three that for sure um I mean, would you want to go to the crucifixion no or the last don't give supper? a fuck don't give a fuck um 
force because I don't think it ever happened, but that's beside the point. Uh, but no, it's no, I want something fun again. We already exhausted all the ugly, bloody stuff earlier with our nasty stories. We won't go back there again. No, I want to go hang out with EQ in Japan in the uh, drinking sake and in the company of lovely women with Zen Master EQ hanging out. That would be high up on my priority that's list that's an excellent choice you know that's more that's more what i would wouldn't mind being but uh, yeah so moral of the story studying history is good for masturbation that's why and while we are at it since you know to give uh, by the way watch me they're gonna hire me to provide motivational sp uh, <laughs> speaking in schools about why people you know <laughs> started harder because We've it's, seen an incredible increase in the history department. Absolutely. People are signing up like crazy. And on that note, making use of, you know, I hate math. Math is just one of the things that just bores me to that. It's like once you know how to add, subtract, do that kind of stuff in your head fairly fast, everything else, I just see no point for it. But I have to say, since we're in the theme of sex and now going to school helps you, so we found out what, why, what history is good for. Math. For men in particular, and well, actually for more for women's sake, but how many times when you are at the edge and, oh, it's way too soon, she's really not there, starting to do 837 multiplied by 3 plus 255 can help you right through that moment and suddenly you are 20 minutes later couple of screaming orgasms later you rode through the whole thing and you are able to last through it all avoiding some seriously bad premature moment <laughs> so history is good for masturbation and math is great to avoid premature ejaculation baseball statistics will get you there too. yeah exactly well the statistics right it's math. you can't be yeah. like grandma taking a shit because that's just gonna <laughs> right gonna no, flip it off that's it's dangerous territory yeah right if there. you start picturing you know an image of george bush while you're having sex to lower the level of excitement <laughs> that, over. yeah that can lower it a little too much but uh <laughs> unless you have some really disturbed fantasies that we don't want to know about but yeah, so that's why you should stick to school. Kids, don't drop out. You, lots of important stuff you can get for life. You might be able to discover the new prime number. Yeah. They found one that's like 19 digits long. Can you imagine how long you can last with that? Exactly. That's going right. way up. Yeah. <laughs> On that note... Anything else in that mailbag? Uh, well, I... <laughs> I'm almost afraid to ask. <laughs> Well, the question was actually innocent. Is my answer it was. <laughs> you know, I think it's an honest answer, though. It, it, it really is the most honest answer of all because that's. I remember studying history and all of a sudden getting curiously excited and having to take breaks from my study and be like, what the hell, really? That's one of the moments when being in Italy, I regret because high school in Italy, you have these options. You're, they are, high schools are specialized. There's like a humanities driven high school. There's a scientific high school. There's linguistics and there's art. How is that decided? Now it's not like Russia you where choose. you're going to be great in the boot no. factory. No, you choose so you pick which you one like. you want to go for. But you know, you're 13. So the thing is, the main ones are classical or scientific, you know, the humanities, humanities or science. Um, art, well, I suck at it. I have no... My hands, you know, I don't go there. So I like the idea, but I would be awful at it. Languages is where I screwed up because the linguistics school there is like 
85% girls and 15% boys. And what the fuck did I think ended up in a humanity thing? It's like, what's wrong with me? You know, seriously. Well, by the way, that was a rhetorical question. Please do not send us evil censor in that question because those could be lengthy and I'm sure possibly accurate, but we don't want to <laughs> go there. And again, particularly today after I've given you plenty of ammunition to answer that with my weird dreams and liver eating Johnson and all of that, the question, what's wrong with me, is not to be answered. It was purely rhetorical. I'm almost afraid to hear the list at the beginning of this one. Yeah, that should be fun. We got them covered. Yeah. All right, running away. Go away, mailbag. It's I, too I, bad. I stopped on my moan with disbelief. Holy shit. Oh, you're right. There's no listeners because they've all killed themselves. I know, man. By next month, we'll have 10 people listening because my... The Dr. Sarachek doesn't show up because he's dead, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know what CB is like. I liberated John, so the dream of cutting the guy's throat is like... <sighs> I'm sorry, good human beings who are listening we to me. genocide. Just... We got horrible churches. We got it pretty all well covered. That I swear, I, I'll go to Disneyland or something and I'll just be... La la, sweet and nice, and come back rejuvenated, having a happy Alcine Combaya with roast marshmallows by the fire. Because what am I doing to you, Jesus? What am I doing to myself? And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.